Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Hello, everybody. It's uh, Herb Morgan from Efficient Market Advisors with uh, my weekly economic and market commentary. Recording this on uh, Sunday, December 11th, as I'll be on a flight uh, early, early on the Monday morning when we usually record this. Uh, this is my weekly economic com- and market commentary. If you want to hear things intra-week, you can catch me on the Twitter or the LinkedIn services but this is weekly it's available as a podcast or as a subscription with slides graphs and charts you can listen to us on any podcast format the name of the podcast is slaying bulls and bears making the complex and complicated simple and sensical as a reminder this information is prepared by me for use with you whether you are an investor or a financial advisor you are each expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything contained in herein, herein is for informational purposes only. No tax advice, et cetera, et cetera. We had a really rough week in the equity markets and the bond markets last week. No fun to be me, right? S&P down 3%, mid and small cap stocks down even more, uh, brought the ACWI down about 2%, ACWI meaning all country world index. But look at this, a little bright spot. And this has kind of been going on since, I guess six or seven weeks now, where the dollar has been beginning to decline, making foreign investments, particularly emerging market investments, do better. You can see the EFI way outperformed the US domestic indices. As we get in this, this decline in the dollar, as inflation pressures and inflation expectations have begun to decline. Now, that being said, we had a horrible PPI report last week, but nonetheless, the markets are looking through that report, as you can see, and we're getting a bid here in emerging markets. One of the other reasons, of course, is China beginning to feel the pressure from the citizen protests and has begun to ease some of their zero COVID uh, policies. Take a look at this graph. This is, the white line is the US dollar index. When the dollar is going up in value, dollar going up in value versus going down in value. When the dollar goes up in value, it's usually because you're having higher interest rates in your economy and it's attracting capital. The US is a great place to, to invest. So when our interest rates went from zero to a higher number, 10-year got over 420 recently, sends the dollar higher and higher because investors bid to buy those dollars to invest in higher yielding U.S. securities. But since then, the U.S. dollar has been declining from the 424 and a quarter level all the way down to about three and a half. 
uh, the interest rates rather on the 10 year. So the dollar has gone down along with it. See, the blue line represents the higher yields on the 10 year. And as the 10 year comes down, guess what? So too does the dollar. When the dollar goes down, if you are invested in foreign securities and your investment is translated back into a now cheaper dollar, gone from a high of oh, 114 uh, down to 104-ish, uh, that's a big decline and that impacts positively the performance of your non-US investment. It's one of the reasons we like to have the diversification in our portfolios and include developed international, include emerging markets, and at the current time, we include China investments, and China's been one of the better performers. In fact, here is a graph comparing ASHR, a China A-share equity ETF, to the broad emerging market ETFs with ETF, which is BWO, since you can see here, uh, November 1st, China stocks are up 15%, emerging markets up 11 and a half, well, the S&P 500 has a great return, it's up 2%, but what a big, big delta you see there. We think uh, as long as inflation continues to moderate here in the US and the Fed begins to raise rates less aggressively, this week in fact, we think this could be a trend that continues. So one of the things we've done uh, is we own international markets developed, we own uh, emerging markets, and then we have a China-specific ETF in the, uh, in the portfolio. Let's get into um, uh, data from last week. We had uh, another sub-50 reading from S&P Global, that's the old market, uh, in their services reading. Remember that the U.S. economy services are really big, 80, 85% of the U.S. economy. Sub-50 means contraction, it's the fifth consecutive month of contraction, and it's contracting at a more rapid pace than at least it had the last two. You can see over here it's going back down. Uh, but on a good news basis, input prices fell uh, to the lowest level since uh, in the last two years. So that's good news on the inflation front, despite the bad PPI report that I'm going to get to. A competitive report to S&P Global Services PMI is the Institute for Supply Management PMI, and it completely diverged. It shot up to 56.5, well above the estimate of 53.5. They say business activity rose to almost 65, which is a, almost a booming economy. Uh, employment went positive. Backlogs and delivery times fell, which is good for the inflation data and the supply chain, which hand in glove with, with inflation data. So, so which one's right? Well, neither one of them's wrong per se. They just measure the same thing in a different method. It's why we like to look at two reports and try to glean some sort of opinion out of it. Both reports clearly do show, however, when you look at more than just one month, that the service sector is in a downtrend, suggesting that the Fed's rate hike, hikes and balance sheet runoff are having their intended effect. But between 56 and 46, that's high level expansion and that's moderate contraction. So I would, I think you could kind of say S&P Global has this one because ISM doesn't really disagree. It's also in a downtrend. In the stronger ISM reading, new orders were weak, suggesting, well, our reading is going to catch up uh, later in 2023 with the S&P Global reading. Both 
uh, when you read through the reports, both showed uh, a trend in discounting prices, which is not exactly inflationary, it's the other, other way around, it's disinflationary. They both showed they had to do that to stimulate sales. So this, all in all, you would say, the economy is slowing. I don't think the Fed's going to panic and, and, and do another 75 basis point rate hike or anything like that. In fact, uh, this is pretty clearly says that they're having an impact and they need to give that time, given the lagging effects of their policy, they need this policy to uh, work its way into the overall economy. And it's doing just that. Factory orders were up 1%, a little ahead of expectations, backing out transportation up eight tenths of a percent. Uh, solid number there for factory orders. And you keep seeing all this anecdotal data um, as the Fed's been aggressively raising rates, running off its balance sheet. And so the argument, you know, that for a soft landing is good. Now, if you just look around your own industry of things you know, and that's what I do all the time, is just talk to people in every industry I can. Uh, clearly, uh, almost without exception, things are slowing across the board, whether it's uh, whether it's real estate, real estate development, manufacturing, uh, whatever it is, retail, everybody's telling us it's slowing. We know it's slowing. So the Fed can let off of that uh, aggressive brake pedal hit uh, that they began earlier this year. Um, the trade, trade deficit for the U.S. Uh, expanded from, from $74 billion to about $78 billion. Uh, imports grew a little bit, exports fell a little bit. Um, oil's coming down, that's helpful. Uh, but we've still run that big trade deficit. Remember how that works, right? We run this trade deficit. That means we're sending dollars overseas to get goods and services. So then those people overseas have these US dollars. They need to do something with them. They're not gonna buy more of our stuff because they're already, this is the net effect of the buying and selling. So what do they do with these dollars? Well, they generally buy US Treasury bonds, and that's what enables the US government to continually run deficit. We could, we could have a three-hour presentation on whether the budget deficit is a good or bad long-term thing and what the risks are of continuing to do that. But this is something that, that the US can afford because of its position as the world reserve currency, position which it took after winning World War II. Okay, we had... Uh, Productivity up eight-tenths of a percent. That basically means labor costs are beginning to come down. So that's a pretty good thing. And that's the red line, labor costs going down. Those two move hand in glove. Consumer credit, solid across the board. You know, you can see people say we're already in a recession. We're not in a recession. I think the likelihood of a recession next year is continuing to grow as the Fed continues to raise rates. Uh, but in select industries, we're in a recession. Uh, but we're not in a recession yet. There's still a chance of that soft, soft landing, but it's not a good, good big chance that they keep seeing big rate hikes coming. You can see things like consumer credit is one example, big declines during a recession. And here we are. Because the reason why is people haven't lost jobs yet. We went into this situation of you know, supply chain and inflation with massive demand for labor, which we still haven't exhausted. So you don't really get that big, bad, old, ugly, smelly recession unless people lose their jobs. And right now, except in some select industries, it's, it's not happening. In the aggregate of the economy, it's definitely not happening. So how do we know that? Well, here's additional claims for unemployment. It's 300 plus million people in the United States. Every week, about 225,000. Last week, it was 230,000. 
file an initial claim for unemployment. They've been laid off. Well, that's a very small number for the size of our economy. We never expect it to be zero, obviously. Anything under 300,000 means the economy is just kind of chugging along from a jobs perspective. And of course, jobs lead to everything else, spending, earnings, profits, houses, construction, you name it. Everything starts from jobs and income. And we move on to the report that really is the culprit for the market declining last week. It was expected that producer prices would be up 2%. They weren't, they were up 3%. The year over year gain was supposed to be 7.2. It came in at 7.4. Core producer prices, which backs up food and energy, expected to be up two tenths. They were up four tenths year over year, expected 5.9, came in at 6.2. Well, there's a sister report to this coming next week. That's the CPI on Tuesday. And the, the two together, along with much other data, are going to determine what the Federal Reserve does on Wednesday with raising interest rates. So when the market saw this report, worse than expected news on inflation, still in a downtrend, you can see the downtrend clearly underway. Uh, and then the anecdotal things I've given you from some of the other reports, like the services sector reports, suggests that the Fed will not do the 75 basis points. I think it's pretty much widely anticipated, agreed, accepted, et cetera, within the finance community, the economics community, the investment community, that the Fed is going to do 50 basis points uh, on Wednesday. They've even really communicated that, and I think pretty, pretty aggressively. So the meeting here is December 14th, that's Wednesday, we're looking at what we call two hikes, 2.07. We're going to round that to two, a hike being defined as 0.25%. In prior months, when we looked at this, it would be point, it would be three, 3.1, et cetera. So you can see two hikes from here. And then in February, three and a half from here, that means it's 50-50 whether or not it's 25 basis points or 50 basis points. But what you can see here is when you look at, this is, by the way, this is how the market is investing, highly sophisticated liquid, large investors making bets on where rates will be. They really all kind of think we top out at just under 5%. And that top out uh, is coming somewhere in the next, let's call it five months, right? That's not that far away, right? And then you can see the number of hikes, again, from here, meaning we'll be all the way back by, the, by January. So we think the, the market thinks the end of the rate hike session is near. And that's why the market's kind of been running up. But the question is, is that enough to keep it up or will the coming expected poor earnings reports, which come in January, uh, overwhelm that as we move this out of our focus lens of the market and earnings into the focus lens of the market. And that's where we stand. We think that the market has run up in recognition of the end of the rate hikes, but that the earnings reports in January uh, are not gonna be so good and the guidance won't be so good. Okay, moving along. Inventory is up again. Uh, the supply chain crisis is essentially over. Uh, everything's readily available again. And that's a big relief valve release on the inflation front. Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report um, for December did rise a little to 59, but these are still pretty low numbers. But you can see we're kind of getting into an uptrend. 
right? From a, from a long downtrend, COVID, and a slight slow uptrend. And if we continue to get relief from things like gasoline prices, uh, we expect that number to get back uh, higher in the coming months. Okay, economic data this week, budget deficit, the week after the trade deficit. Remember that trade deficit, like 80 billion, but a budget deficit for the month is 250 billion. That's a problem long-term. Uh, and neither of our major political parties seem interested in, in addressing it. Um, so this is something for investors to be aware of. Um, small business optimism on Tuesday, consumer prices, right? This is the one that failed, the PPI, the producer prices failed this week, last week. Wednesday, import and export, the Fed rate hike, that's the big one, looking for 50 basis points, jobless claims, New York State manufacturing, retail sales, Philly Fed, capacity utilization and production, business inventories, and then um, the, the pre preliminary readings uh, for uh, S&P Global for manufacturing and services for the month of December. You get the final reading as we move into January. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, give us a like, thumbs up, retweet, whatever on social media. We'd love to get more uh, listeners and, uh, and viewers. And uh, don't forget, we don't use your email address for anything other than sending you this report. Thanks, talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.